0: Well, Nick already said it, but happy Halloween. I, uh, I vastly underestimated your all's ability to dress up in costumes tonight. So, uh, I mean, gosh, what do I even do? How do I talk? Uh, whatever. Uh, hey, uh, thinking about costumes, knowing you guys would be dressing up, uh, walking around trick-or-treating with my kids tonight, had me going down kind of memory lane, and, and I thought that I would let you in on a costume Uh, All the way back, so 1991, Kyle Richter is a six-year-old boy, and uh, I looked up the other day what was the most popular costume for for a kid back in 1991, and uh, it wasn't what I went as. It, It wasn't Terminator. Uh, or, or sorry, sorry. I didn't go as Terminator like my friends. I, I I didn't go as Batman or Bart Simpson. I didn't even go as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. That was low-hanging fruit. Didn't go that route. But instead, ready for it? I went as a DIY, made it myself, skunk. <laughs> yeah, look at that guy, man. It's not even a skunk. I look back. I was looking through photo albums. You guys don't even like physical photo albums, and, and you know, like, where's the white stripe, right? Like, what is the nose? That nose is, I don't know if it's a dog or a reindeer, and why do I have makeup on like that? I mean, it's just terrible. Like, are you kidding me? Like, skunk of all the things. What possesses a... uh A six-year-old boy to be a skunk, and and, you know, as I was thinking about it, I realized, hey, the reason that I I wanted to be a skunk, I'm sure of it, is because when I was a six-year-old, I thought that the coolest thing that I could do was make something smell terribly, right? And so I probably thought, hey, skunks smell bad. Uh, what if I got a, a spray bottle and I dumped all the nasty things that I could find in my house into a bottle, and then when I knocked on the door of people's houses, i just spray it all over and really get them. So here's a photo of, of my spray bottle. Apparently it rained that night, so now I have a trash bag on as a skunk. <laughs> um, but you see my bottle, and, and what's, I, t- I promise you what's inside this thing is putrid, Right? And, and it worked masterfully, right? People would open the doors, oh my gosh, what is that? And then I'd be like, I'm a skunk! And they'd be like, get out of here! And I think throw candy at me, probably. Uh, that has nothing to do with anything I'm going to talk about tonight, other than I just wanted to, you know, reminisce and share that I once went as a skunk. So if you feel like your life is at a low point, just know it, it could be much worse. Um, yeah, no, what I really wanted to do tonight is I wanted to start with a question and, and that question is this. Have you ever been in a situation where, where you, you feel like you're up against someone and, and you're just unmatched? right? You feel like you're up against someone who's, who's maybe stronger than you. You're up against someone with, with more skill, maybe more experience. You just just feel like you're unmatched. What do you do when that happens? What do you do when you feel like you're in a fight with someone who's stronger than you? That scenario reminded me of an old movie, and I say old, it's really old. Back in the 1980s, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, I doubt you've seen it, some of you maybe, but if you haven't, it's fine, because I think this clip that I'm about to show will give you all you need. What do you do when you're up against someone stronger than you? Let's watch. Pretty ridiculous. You got to laugh at that a little bit, right? Uh, And and no, my point is not that if you're up against someone stronger than you, what you really need to do is get a gun, right? You're not Indiana Jones. That would be a terrible uh, message to give. But my point is that if you're up against something stronger than you, you're going to need something stronger than it. If you're up against something stronger than you, you're going to need something stronger than whatever it is. And the reason I say that is because that's exactly what we see in our passage tonight. I say passage, but but really it's two passages, two stories on the same day. And the first goes like this. Picking up in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, the, the disciples, he said, let us go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Okay, so, so I have this great windstorm highlighted here. Um, this is a picture of, of the Sea of Galilee, and, and um, I'm showing you this because something to know about the Sea of Galilee. So this is kind of facing, eastern, or facing east, and, and you see the, the water is smooth here, but you kind of see in the back, you see kind of mountains, you see a ridge. So, so the thing about the Sea of Galilee is that it's actually about 700 feet below sea level. And what happens is that uh, sometimes there are these violent downdrafts. Wind comes over these mountains and it forces onto the water. And what you have when this happens is, is like this massive storm in an instant. And I'm saying that because that's the kind of storm that, that Jesus and the disciples are in. It's dark. I mean, think about being, being in the middle of the night out on the sea, it's dark. It's chaos, the waves are crashing all around, and, and, and this, is, this is what happens, this is what we see. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing?' Now, I want you to remember for for, for a second. Remember, um, when when Jesus calls the the disciples, at least some of them, when Jesus calls the disciples to come follow him earlier in the gospel, so early in the gospel of of Mark, early in some of the other gospels, when Jesus sees these guys, some of them at least, for the first time, what are they doing? Anybody remember? What What were they doing? Fishing. They were fishermen, Right? So, so the reason I say that is because they weren't just fishing on any lake. They were fishing on this lake. They've had experience with it. They've been through a storm or two or ten. But something this time is different. You see, they said that they're afraid for their lives. They say to Jesus, they say, Jesus, we're going to drown. We're perishing. We're going to die. Do you not care? Do you not care, Jesus? Now, I was reading this passage again and I thought, you know, what would it be like to be in this situation? But then I realized, you know, this this was their question, right? In the middle of this storm. This is their question. But, but I realized that that for some of us here tonight, it's our question too. It, it's our question too. Jesus, do you not care? Jesus, don't don't you care about my loneliness? Jesus, don't you care about my anxiety? Don't you care about my depression? Don't you care that my family seems like it's falling apart? Don't you care that I can't find the job that I thought I was going to find in the city that I wanted? Don't you care that I haven't gotten an internship yet? Jesus, don't you care about my breakup? Jesus, don't you care about my pain, my suffering? Jesus, don't you, don't you care? See, it's not just their question, it's our question too. Several years ago, I don't think they do it anymore, Amazon released um, the, the kind of most highlighted quotes of Kindle. Kind of all time up to that point. I think it's like 2014, 2015, something like that. Do you know what the most, high, at least one of the most highlighted quotes of all time was up, up to that point? It was this one right here. It's a line from Catching Fire in the Hunger Games. Katniss Everdeen says, because sometimes things happen to people, and they're not equipped to deal with them. Sometimes things happen to people, and they're not equipped to deal with them. See, I know that there are storms happening in some of your lives right now. That you're up against something that's stronger than you, and you're not equipped to deal with it. And so the question becomes, when the storm is raging, when the, when the sea is, is, is raging all around us, when the waves are crashing, when the wind is blowing, when it feels like we're in a dark, chaotic, dangerous storm, what do we do? Who do we turn to? Is it something to numb the pain? Is it, a, is it a bottle to help us forget whatever the thing that we're going through is? Is it just another screen to distract us from whatever the storm is? And what do the disciples do? This is the next verse. They go to Jesus. And they wake him up. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes the wind and says to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. we read this, and I, and I think that we probably go through it pretty quickly. <laughs> but, but can you imagine being on this boat for a second? Can you imagine being in the middle of a storm on a tiny little boat? This isn't some massive boat. It's a tiny little boat. And they're on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a storm. And can you imagine in one moment you're in the kind of storm that you literally think you're going to die. And then the next moment the storm is completely gone. It's totally calm. And how, by the way, is that storm gone? How is that water totally calm? It's not because time has elapsed. No, it's because of the power of the word of Jesus. He looks at a storm, he looks at a wind, and he says, peace, be still. I want us to think about that for a second. Jesus speaks to a storm. He tells the wind to stop, and it's. And then he turns to his disciples and he says this he says why are you so afraid have you still no faith they were filled with great fear and they said to one another see see they were afraid at first of the storm now they're afraid of the guy that can stop the storm who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. See, they've never seen any, they've been on this lake, they've been in this kind of boat, they've never seen anything like this because they've never seen anyone like him. And they asked themselves, who is this? Who is this? Who speaks to a storm with that kind of authority? Who commands the storm with that kind of power? The one who made it. The one who made the wind and the waves and the water and our world, that's who. Psalm 89, it says this, picking up in verse 8. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. Yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. See, all semester, if you've been tracking with us, if you've been coming, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and I told you the very first week of the semester, all the way back in August, on on Traditions Plaza. So we're going to answer a version of the same question. That same question that we've been talking about all semester is: Who is Jesus? And tonight in this first story, Mark tells us that Jesus is the one with the authority to command reality with the power of his word. Jesus is the one with the authority to command reality with the power of his word. He stops a storm with his mouth. And guys, see what this means for us? What this means for us is this, is that Jesus is infinitely stronger than any of the storms in your life. Jesus is infinitely stronger than any of the storms in your life. He has that kind of power. And he says to the disciples, and he's saying to us, have you still no faith? Jesus is saying, do you... Do you not believe? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're here tonight, and I'm glad you're here. Maybe you don't believe yet. Because it's one thing to have power, but the question you've got is, but what does Jesus do with that power? What does Jesus do with all this supposed power that he has? Is he just another religious leader who uses his power to manipulate is he just another religious leader who uses his power to, to, to control people? Is he just another religious leader or or just leader in general who, who uses power for his own benefit, for his own gain? Because we've all seen those kinds of leaders, haven't we? We've seen the kind of leader who abuses his or her power. What makes Jesus any different? What makes Jesus any different? Maybe that's your question. But I think the question behind the question is this. Can I really trust Jesus? Can I really trust Jesus? So let's go to the next story. It's the same day. Next story. Picking up verse 1, chapter 5. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, A man with an unclean spirit. Now, it's Halloween, so we're going to talk about some demon possession for a second. Actually, back um, a few years ago now, uh, the Washington Post, before we get there, the Washington Post uh, ran a um, it was a controversial op ed at the time, at least probably still is today to be honest. it was a controversial op ed uh, written by a guy named uh, Richard Gallagher. He was a Yale trained board certified uh, psychiatrist at um, the New York Medical College and And the reason that this particular op ed became so controversial is is that he wrote and described that that over 30 years of, of his professional medical experience, this is in the Washington Post, that, that he had come to believe in the demonic. And so this op-ed, it, it goes on, it, t- it, it kind of starts actually by, by describing uh, one of the patients that he had at one point in his practice. He's still practicing, but um, he, he, he says this patient um, had all these Different abilities, supernatural abilities. Things like um, could tell him uh, people who he had never had never met. This patient said, I, "I can tell you how they died, including this doctor's own mother who died from a really rare form of cancer." This patient could, could tell people kind of their secret weaknesses, their, their, their secret um, um, strengths even sometimes, could, could uh, speak in different languages, languages that, that they had never studied, languages that they had never interacted with. And we're not talking about like Elvish or some weird thing, right? No, we're talking about, like could just start speaking in Latin, a dead language, without ever studying it. And, and, and this article goes on and on and on and on and on, and, and, and he's been doing this for 30 years, right? And, and it leads him to ask this question. He says, is it possible to be a sophisticated psychiatrist and believe that evil spirits are, however seldom, assailing humans? Most of my scientific colleagues and friends say no, but careful observation of the evidence presented to me in my career, has led me to believe that certain extremely uncommon cases can be explained no other way. See, what what he says, I mean, he's a psychiatrist. He says, I know what mental illness is. I've seen mental illness, and I've seen things which are not that. They're demonic. And I find it interesting because this Yale-trained board-certified doctor. Agrees with the Bible. I have no idea if he's a Christian, but he agrees with the Bible. This is what Paul says to the Ephesian church in chapter 6. He says, for our struggle, your and I's and theirs, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. See, I find it interesting because As trendy as as pop culture wants to make the demonic, as trendy as Stranger Things, as trendy as Doja Cat, Lil Nas X, Sam Smith, Kim Peck, as trendy as our culture wants to make the demonic, what the Bible says, what the Bible teaches, is that evil is real, and it's really evil. The Bible teaches us, Nick talked about this earlier, that, that evil is real and it's really evil. This is what we see in, in, in Mark 5. This man that Jesus meets, he lived among the tombs, the place of death. But no one could bind him anymore. They could at one point, but not anymore because he, he's feeding it. and Whatever he's feeding, that darkness is growing, not even with a chain, for he'd often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Next verse. Night and day, it's relentless. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, cutting himself with stones. It's it's bad, right? Here's a guy who is isolated. He's he's living among the dead, living among the tombs. He's feeding the darkness. It's growing. No one can subdue him anymore. He's getting stronger. And the darkness inside of him, it's relentless. Night and day, he wreaks havoc, mostly on himself. See, what's happening inside of this man is that there's a storm inside of him. And it's destroying him. There's a storm inside of him and it's destroying him. It hasn't always been this way. But something got into his life. And that thing, that something, whatever it was, that thing that got into his life, it didn't bring what he thought it would bring. It's only brought more pain, only brought more isolation, only brought more destruction. That darkness, it's destroying him. And here's the thing, some of you right now, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's true of your life too. It's happening in your life. I, I'm, I'm not saying that you've been possessed by a demon, That's not what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that for some of you, maybe many of you, something has gotten into your life And that's something, it hasn't brought light, it's brought darkness. And it hasn't brought the comfort, it hasn't brought the happiness, it hasn't brought the peace that you thought it would. Instead, all it's done, all it's doing, all it will continue to do is bring more pain, more isolation, more anger, more shame. You know what this guy's going through because you've got a storm inside of you and it's threatening to destroy you. And so the question becomes, the question that I think this passage raises is what is Jesus going to do with someone like that? Maybe that's your question. What is Jesus going to do with someone like me? How is he going to use that power? Is he going to use his power to crush me? Is he going to use his power to destroy me? No. That's not what Jesus does with his power. Jesus doesn't destroy you. He doesn't crush you. He uses his power to set you free. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to set you free. Let's read the rest of the story. It says, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Now, I find it interesting, this this man with the demon, he sees Jesus from afar, and what does he do? He goes to Jesus, and he falls down at his feet. And the reason he falls down at his feet is because demons can't stand a chance against the king who rules all things. And so this demon-possessed man falls before Jesus, and crying out in a loud voice, he says, What have you to do with me, Jesus? He knows who he is. Even the demons recognize who Jesus is, Son of the Most High God. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. And Jesus asked him, What's your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, I I highlighted this word Legion because what's happening here is this is a play on words. Because what's going on at at this time in the first century is that that Rome is occupying parts of, of Israel, and they're doing it with a military unit known as a legion. And so this demon is calling itself legion because it's occupying something that is not his, and it's many and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. And so Jesus gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, what? Clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Why were they afraid? They were afraid because they knew who the man was. They knew what he was. See, see, see! I, I want you to hear me. Listen to me. Some of you here tonight, I know that there's something gripping your life. Your life. You feel like you're trapped inside of a storm. There is a storm inside of you. And I don't know what the storm is. Maybe it's an addiction to porn. Maybe it's guilt from another hookup. Maybe it's the shame of hiding an eating disorder. Maybe it's the jealousy and anger that you constantly feel because you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. Maybe it's the regret of having an abortion. Maybe it's the lies. That you continue to tell yourself and others, and so much so you're lying so much that you're starting to believe that it's actually true. You don't even know what's real anymore because you're just lying. See, I don't know what the storm is, but you do. And I know this, that you're telling yourself that nobody can know. Nobody can know about whatever this storm is. Nobody can know about the thing that's gripping my life because this is what you're saying. If people knew what this thing was, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. If people knew what I was doing, if people knew what I am doing, They're not going to want anything to do with me. Jesus won't want anything to do with me. I want you to hear me say this. Jesus wants to set you free. I don't know why you're here tonight. But if this is you, this is what he wants to say to you. Jesus wants to set you free. How do we know? How do we know that Jesus, how do you know, Kyle, that Jesus wants to set me free? Here's how I know, because he did it for someone way worse than you. He did it for someone way worse than anything you've done, anything you're doing. This man in Mark chapter 5, someone that everyone at this point in his life had given up on, moved on from, avoided, wanted nothing to do with him. And Jesus frees him. Because the storm in his life wasn't too much for Jesus. And the storm in your life isn't too much for him. See, Jesus, he wants to set you free. He can. Because he has the power. And he will. If you trust him. If you trust him. And check this out, this is what I find interesting about this story, it doesn't end. Guy's set free, see you later. No, it ends like this. Jesus was getting into the boat and the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. The guy says, Jesus, can I go with you? Good question. And get this, Jesus says, nah, no, I don't permit that, can't come with me, but why? Because he says this, he says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And the man went away and he began to proclaim to the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. This is amazing. Jesus sets him free to do what? To send him out sets him free of the storm that's gripping his life. And then he says, go out and tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. See, that's what Jesus wants to do in your life too. He wants to set you free and send you out so that you can go and tell everyone about what God has done so that everyone will marvel. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that that's who Jesus is, that that your storm, whatever the storm inside of you, whatever the storm in your life, whatever the sin or thing that's gripping you, isn't it unbelievable that that Jesus doesn't say, stay away? Isn't it amazing that Jesus doesn't stiff arm and and say, get away, or, or, or that he doesn't crush you? That he doesn't destroy you with the power of his word. But he says, no, I want you to be free. Jesus wants you to be free of whatever's gripping you of whatever's inside of you of whatever that thing is that you thought would bring life but it's only bringing destruction he wants to set you free so that he can send you out so that when we talk to other people about who Jesus is everyone marvel